Welcome to Turning Point. The most potent power source on earth isn't a new technology from the mind of man. It's a love letter from the heart of God. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins his series, The Word, with a look at the life-changing impact you can experience by reading and obeying the Bible. Listen now as David introduces today's message, The Power of God's Word in Your Life. Well, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the month of June and a brand new series. I mentioned to you at the end of the program yesterday that we're going to do a series of messages on the Bible. Why is the Word of God so central in your life, and why is it so central in the ministry of Turning Point in Shadow Mountain Church? Why is it the core of what we do? Well, today we're going to talk about the power of God's Word in your life from a very wonderful passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I have in my hands uh, the study guide for this series that has the outlines for all of these messages on the Word of God. And um, there's uh, 12 of them. The power of God's Word in your life, gaining insight into God's Word, how to receive the Word of God, God carved His love in stone, what the Bible will do for you, the sword of the Spirit, what the Bible says about salvation, the Word's greatest text, is there only one gospel, the book that will change your life, the written Word, and the last invitation in the Bible. Those are the messages in the series. The study guide is yours uh, when you order it from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. You can go there and find out how to do that. And then during the month, we have an incredible resource. Some months ago, we did a book on the 66 books of the Bible, which it's a beautiful hardback gift book that tells you what's in the books of the Bible. We decided to do a follow-up gift book on how the gift that we gave you the first time can work in your life every day. And this is called Living in the 66 Books of the Bible, 287 pages in a hardcover book with practical application for every book in the Bible. You will want to have this in your library. You will put it to work as soon as you get it. Ask for it when you send your gift of any size during the month of June, which is a very important month here at Turning Point because it is the end of our fiscal year. So when you send your gift, ask for your copy of this book. It will come to you right away as our way of saying thank you for your investment. Let's begin this month together as we talk about the power of God's Word in your life. Paul, the apostle, continually reminded those who would read his letters of the importance and priority of God's Word. And he seemed to especially put his emphasis on this when he was writing to his young understudies in ministry, to Titus and to Timothy. Over and over again in his letters to Timothy, he keeps coming back to the theme of the importance of the Scriptures. Follow with me as I read from the Bible, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. Here are Paul's words to Timothy and by way of the Holy Scripture to all of us. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is not a human book. It is not a book which was put together and then was blessed by Almighty God. It is a book which came directly from God's heart, and it is ours to hold. It is as if God sent to each of us a love letter, addressed it in our name, and put it in our mailbox. And we go to the mailbox, and there we find a direct communication from Almighty God to our hearts. The fact that we do not read it or study it is no fault of God's. It was His intention that we know Him and His purpose. And so He gave us this book. And some of you will say, but Pastor, it is hard to understand. It is only hard to understand when we do not come to it with a purpose in our minds and hearts that we will know God's truth no matter what. And thankfully, God has given us teachers to help us understand His Word and to magnify its truth in our lives. As we begin to read Paul's words to Timothy, Paul wants Timothy to know that all of the Bible is Scripture, that it's from God. He says it is inspired. And when we read that the Bible is inspired, that it comes from God, it means both the Old and the New Testament is included in that truth. We read of the Old Testament in 2 Peter chapter 1, for we read these words, for prophecy never came by the will of man. This is not a man-made book. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got this book. Holy men of God spoke or wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So that using their own personality, the Holy Spirit guided them in communicating the exact word which was in the heart of God to us. You say, but what about the New Testament? In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16, we read, As also in all his epistles, speaking of them in, of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. In Peter's mind, the writings of Paul were scripture. He called it the rest of the scripture. Both the Old and the New Testament is the Word of God. We have, in between the covers of this book, everything God wants us to know. In fact, there isn't anything else that God needs to tell us that isn't in this book. You say, does God not speak to us in our hearts? Yes, God speaks to us in our hearts and reminds us of things that He has written to us in His Word. But there isn't any new information from God coming down to us these days. And if you run into people who have a new and fresh revelation that is outside the pages of this book, you know that revelation is not from God. This is God's word to you. Isn't it incredible to think about the fact that you hold in your hands everything God wants you to know? Unbelievable. And that's why in this passage, Paul writing to Timothy says that the word of God is inspired that means verbally, every word, and plenarily, throughout its totality, it comes from God. It's God-breathed. That's what it means, inspired. It comes from God. Not only is it inspired, the Word of God is inerrant. Oh, I hear people all the time say to me, I can't read this book and take it seriously. It's so full of errors. 
And yet I have never yet been able to put my Bible in their hands and have them show me one. Most of the people who say it's full of errors have never read the Bible. They have heard somebody else say that it's full of errors. So they say it's full of errors because they're looking for ways not to believe what's in this book. Now that there are some hard passages, we would all agree. There are some questions that we need to know, but every time I have searched out a question that is supposed to be a contradiction, I have come away from it with a stronger confidence in the Word of God than when I began. The Bible is inerrant, and the Bible is infallible. It always tells the truth. The Bible even tells the truth about the falsehoods that were told by the people whose names are in the Bible. Someone will say, well, look here, this isn't true. No, this is the Bible telling you the truth about the untruth that that person said. It's infallible. And it's authoritative. That means this book is the book I must follow in my life if I want to be a Christian and walk with God. I must take this as God's final word to me. God isn't going to change his mind. My friends, we have so much trouble with the will of God, and most of the time the problems we have with the will of God is especially I talk to young people. There is really no problem with the will of God. The will of God's here. The problem is with the will of the person getting in tune with the will of God. Isn't that the trouble? Somebody said, you know, the problem that I have with the Bible are all the parts I don't understand. The trouble I have with the Bible are all the parts I do understand. Amen? I know what's going on in the Bible when I read these hard things. This is God's truth. And the Bible says it's not only inspired, it's not only inerrant, it's not only infallible, it's not only authoritative, the Bible's profitable. That means it's good, it does its work. And in these few verses that Paul has given to us, written originally to young Timothy, he tells us, the reasons why the Bible is profitable. I want to go through those with you. First of all, the Bible is profitable because it has the power of evangelization. The Bible is profitable for evangelizing. Notice what it says in verse 15. The Holy Scriptures, watch this, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible is how you become a Christian. The Bible is how you are saved. The Bible is where you get salvation. I want to say this to you, and I want you to listen to me carefully. Nobody ever goes to heaven without the Bible. Nobody ever becomes a Christian without the Bible. There are two things you must have to be a Christian, to become a Christian. One is the Holy Spirit, and the other are the Holy Scriptures. You say, well, I wasn't saved reading the Bible. No, you may not have been saved reading the Bible, but you were saved listening to something somebody said that came from the Bible. Because the message of the gospel is found nowhere else except between the covers of this book. This book is the place where you go if you want to be saved, if you want to be a Christian. You're not going to find that in some history book or some sociology book, counseling or psychiatry. You find that message in the Bible. This book is able to make you wise unto salvation. My friend, if you're not a Christian and you don't want to talk to anybody about what it means to be a Christian, the least you can do, and you owe it to yourself to do it, is to read the Bible. And if you read the Bible and you read it seriously, you will become a Christian. John, in his gospel, tells you what you need to do to believe. It's right there for you to read. And if you go through the New Testament, you will find out that over and over again, we are reminded that it's the Bible, the Word of God, that brings us to salvation. 
James 1.18 says, Of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. 2 Peter 1.4 says, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these promises, this book, you may be partakers of the divine nature. How did we get God's nature in us? Through the word of God. So, the Bible is profitable for salvation, for evangelization. When we go out to witness to people about their need of Christ, or when I preach a message of evangelism, I have to have this book because this is where all the truth comes from. This is the book that says we are all sinners and that we cannot be saved by ourselves. This is the book that says God loves us and sent Christ down to this earth to be our Savior. This is the book that says he's not willing that any should perish. This is the book by which you get saved. But it's not just for people who don't know Christ. This is the book that helps you to learn doctrine, to be educated. Notice it says it's profitable for doctrine. I found out that the word doctrine's in the Bible in the New Testament 21 times. But it's in First and Second Timothy 11 of those 21 times. Over and over again, you read the word doctrine. Now, I know that sometimes the word doctrine has come in for a bad report. Some people say, well, you shouldn't go to that church. They're going to try to indoctrinate you. Or you shouldn't put your kids in those schools because if you go to those schools, they're going to indoctrinate you. And you know what I say? You are absolutely right. We're going to try to indoctrinate you. What we're going to try to do is teach you the doctrine that's in the book. Now, the word doctrine is not a bad word. It's a Greek word, didaskaleia, which means to teach. We get our term didactic from that word. And it simply is a word which means the gathered up together truth about God, the systematic truth about God from his word. And the Bible teaches us that God's word is profitable to us to know doctrine. You know, one of the sad things about the church today, I think it was Howard Hendricks who said, the church today is 25 miles long and a quarter of an inch deep. And what he meant by that is huge, but it doesn't have any depth to it. Did you know that so many people in our churches don't know even the basic doctrines of the Word of God? The Bible is profitable for you so that you can have doctrine, so you know what you know. You know, there's this thing going around today that you shouldn't really have anything that you know for certain. Everything should be all kind of mental mush. Have you noticed that? You don't have to, nobody knows. You don't know, I don't know, we all don't know. Let's all celebrate what we don't know. You know, isn't that something? And it's almost like if you tell somebody that you know something from the word of God, they look at you like you're strange. You know? Well, how do you know? Well, I just read it in this book. My friends, in a world that is telling us on every side that you cannot know anything, I'm here to tell you there's a whole bunch you can know if you just want to get your nose in this book. This is God's doctrine. This is what God wants us to know. And my friend, you cannot go through life as crazy as it is and not know what you know. The Bible is important for doctrine. And then notice what he says next. The Bible is not only important for evangelization and education, but the Bible is important and it's good for exhortation. It says here, reproof. It says, 
the word of God is good for reproof. And it's, it's a word which means to exhort. That's another thing we don't do very much these days. Everybody's right. It's your truth against my truth, but it's all truth. But when you know the Bible, then you know how to exhort in the right way. You know how to reprove. 1 Timothy 5.20 says, Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. And over and over again in the New Testament, you will find that we have been called to deal with errors in doctrine, errors in conduct, dangers in attitude. You know, once in a while, friends, when you see your buddies, your friends in the church, young couples maybe that are in your Bible study, you see them going off doing something they shouldn't do. You know what the Bible says you're supposed to do? You're supposed to take this precious book and sit down with them and kindly rebuke them. Sit down with them and say, what you're doing is wrong. You say, well, that's not my job. That's the preacher's job. The Bible says we're to exhort one another. We're to rebuke one another. Now, wait a minute. Make sure it's from the Word of God. Don't go off on some tangent because it's your preference over theirs. But if you see a friend of yours involved in immorality, I think you have the responsibility to sit down and say, God says that's wrong. And don't do that. As your friend, as your brother, as your sister, I'm asking you on the basis of this book, which says it's for reproof, not to take that road because it's going to bring disaster to you and to your family and to everybody that loves you. Amen? The Bible is for the purpose of exhorting one another. It's profitable for that purpose. It's profitable for telling people what they should be doing that they're not doing. I read an account of the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster that illustrates the importance of this kind of interaction. Here's the report. There were two electrical engineers in the control room that night, and the best thing they could be said for them was that they were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. They were playing around with the machine. Can you believe it? They were performing what the Soviets later described as an unauthorized experiment. They were trying to see how long a turbine would freewheel when they took the power off of it. Now, taking the power off of that kind of a nuclear reactor is a difficult, dangerous thing to do because these reactors are very unstable in their lower stages. And in order to get the reactor down to that kind of power where they could perform the test they were interested in performing, they had to override manually six separate computer-driven alarm systems. One by one, the computers would come up and say, stop, dangerous, go no further. And one by one, rather than shutting off the experiment, they shut off the alarms and they kept going. And you know what happened nuclear fallout that was recorded all around the world from the largest industrial accident ever to occur since time began. The instructions and the warnings were neglected. You know what? That's what a lot of people do with the warnings in the Word of God, with the reproofs in the Word of God. They override them. They shut the alarm systems off. And one of the things that we're fighting with, and one of the reasons why I want to be faithful as a pastor in preaching this book, is that the neat thing now in churches is don't ever give any of those warnings. Always say the positive things. Always tell people things that will make them feel good. Never warn them according to the Word of God. Make sure that when they walk out of your church at the end of Sunday service, they walk out with the feel-goods and the warm fuzzies. (laughs) The only problem is if I do that, I'm overriding the system which God has placed in His book. And all I'm doing is helping you head toward a disaster someplace in your life. 
by the grace of God, I want to be as positive as any man can be, and I'm really a positive person. I want to be positive and not negative, but most of all, I want to be faithful to what the book says. And I'll tell you the truth, friends. If I come to something in the Bible that's hard for me to preach, I'm going to grit my teeth and preach it because I know I need it as much as you do, the warnings of the Bible. The Bible's profitable for that. Amen? And then the Bible's profitable for encouraging. It says here that the Holy Scriptures are profitable for reproof and for correction. It means that sometimes we do get off the pathway. How many of you know that? You know what the Bible's good for? The Bible's good for getting you back on the path that you got off of. That's what the word correcting means. You know, the Bible doesn't give up on you when you fail. The Bible just keeps after you until you get back where you belong. And then the Bible is also good for instruction in righteousness, for enabling. John Greenleaf Whittier put it this way. He said, we search the world for truth. We call the good and true, the beautiful from graven stone and written scroll and all old flower fields of the soul. And weary seekers of the best, we come back laden from our quest to find that all the sages said is in the book our mothers read. (laughs) Isn't that true? All the truth the sages said are in this book our mothers read. The wonderful Word of God. Reasons for being in the Word of God. Now let me just take this back and put it in perspective for you. First of all, the Bible is good in saving us. Amen? And it enables us to do what we ought to do. When we get saved, we do what we ought to do. Then the Bible's good for teaching us. And in teaching us, the Bible helps us to know what we ought to do. We find out in the book. When we get saved, we're enabled to do it. When we read the book, we find out what we're supposed to do. And then the Bible is good for correcting, exhorting us to refrain from doing what we ought not to do. You read in the Bible, it tells you don't do this, don't do that. And then the Bible is good for restoring. It encourages us to return to doing what we ought to do that we didn't do and that we got away from doing. Amen? And then the Bible is good for training. It expresses clearly to us what we should do from now on. So here's the picture I have. I'm walking down the road. I don't even know God. And all of a sudden, somebody gives me a tract, and I read the book, and I get saved. Now, all of a sudden, I have a desire to do something different. What should I do? Well, I start reading this book. This is what I should do. And I start walking along doing what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden... I do something I'm not supposed to do. And I find out that I did it by reading it in the book. I didn't do it on purpose maybe, but I did it anyway. And I read in the book and I found out I shouldn't have done it. So now what do I do? Well, I just keep reading. And as I keep reading, the Bible tells me how to get back on the right path. And once I get back on the right path, it's the word of God that then takes all this experience that I've had in doing the wrong thing and being confronted by the word of God. Now it gives me instruction and righteousness so I can walk forward in my Christian life, hopefully not making that mistake again, but following in the renewed path of God's holy word. Amen. 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 Well, that's part one of the power of God's word in your life and the first message in the series we've called The Word. And I want to tell you once again that our resource for this month is Living the 66 Books of the Bible. 
What is the practical admonition from every one of the books of the Bible? We have a book already on the 66 books that tells you what's in the book. Now we want to tell you how the book works. So kind of goes along with our theme. It was a part of the Jeremiah Study Bible back in 2013. What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to you? This is the what does it mean to you part of that formula. And I want you to have the practical application of every book in the Bible. I think you'll be surprised to discover how powerful this book can be as you live your Christian life. It's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us as we begin the month together. And please join us tomorrow for part two of the power of God's Word in your life. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Word, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's new book, Living the 66 Books of the Bible, and learn to better understand and apply God's Word each day. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Word, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled up to $50,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. In the first chapter of the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as if she is a woman and she speaks out to all who will listen. She warns her listeners that the day will come when, after being ignored time after time, she will not come to their rescue when their foolish behavior results in calamity. 
This is not a commentary on God's grace or never-ending love. Rather, it reflects a principle of how God governs the world. God allows us to reap what we sow. The flip side of that warning is that if we sow wisdom, we will reap blessings. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's consequences, both positive and negative. On Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.